Uh, we'll just go ahead and jump right into scripture. So if you would turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3, and then we're going to look at verses uh, 1 through 4, I believe. I may have written down something else, but we're going to look at verses 1 through 4. How many we know? We've had the end of days update. We've, you know, studied it out. We can just, you know, watch the news and things like that. We see that the world is getting darker day by day. There's yeah. things that are being called right that are the furthest thing from God's word. And it's really easy for us to find ourselves getting kind of so worked up and so fired up that we can get off and kind of what we're battling, battling against. So that's kind of what I feel like the Lord wanted me to talk about today because it's something I find myself just doing naturally. You get fired up and you watch the news and you want to you know, fight words with words or fight fire with fire. And we don't win on that level as we'll talk about today. So, so it says, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. We've seen that they've, they've come, right? <laughs> no hiding that. For men will be lovers of themselves. Do we see that today? Yes. Just a little bit, yeah. <laughs> lovers of money. There's people that would sell out their family and do whatever it took to just get a little bit more of a paper object. That's pretty, that's pretty sad. We talked about money just a few years ago, or a few years, a few minutes ago. Well, a few years ago too, but a few <laughs> minutes ago. And it's a tool. It can be used for good. It can be used for bad. But it's not something that we go after. We put God first and he adds it to us. So it's not something that we worship or we make a Lord or we make a pillar in our life. But there are men that are lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. Yes, all of these things sadly are, you know, day by day getting worse and worse. Unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Is this happening right now? Yes. Yeah, you turn on a movie, you turn on the news, you sadly just go to a restaurant and hear other people talk. It's going on all the time. We live in a very selfish culture and society, very me-centric. It's all about me. You know, if I get taken care of and other people do, that's great. But I'm owed this, I'm owed that. It's all about me. We're seeing this more and more than ever before. And then we also see some of these things not only are being allowed, but they're almost being cheered and championed and promoted, you know, in different circles. And that's what's sad. It's not just something that we allow to happen. It's something that we're almost seeing the rest of the world cheer and say, yeah, look at you. You're, you know, you're fighting for yourself and no one else. And you're selfish and you're doing things. It's all about you. You know, we make it, we warp everything into this. It's all about you mentality. And these are some of the things that we're seeing. We see darkness is being called good, evil is being called good, and then sadly the truth, which we have right in front of us, it's being mocked, it's being slandered. People are saying that it's wrong. Some uh, countries I've heard, I don't even know if it's true, but they're outlawing certain passages of scripture because it might offend someone or it might be hurtful to someone. Well, you go to the doctor, they don't say, yep, you're healthy. If you really you know, have something serious, you want them to say, hey, you need to address this or you're going to continue to see more and more problems. And you know, that's what the word of God is for us, our body, our spirit, everything. Hey, you're on a road that Adam puts you on. You need to get off or you're going to be destroyed. It's not you know, bad news. The good news is there is hope. But anyways, uh, we see a lot of these lies kind of Uh, infiltrating our culture and sadly we even see some of them infiltrating not this church but just kind of the church worldwide you hear what some preachers and pastors and people from the pulpit are saying you're just sitting there scratching your head saying that 
that, that's not true. That is not scripture. And sometimes they'll even say, well, that, scrap, that scripture doesn't apply today, or that's not for us today, or it doesn't really mean that. And we know that that's just them putting their own opinion or political correctness or their own experience above the word of God. Nothing should come above the word of God. Amen. So what's the answer? How do we, you know, it's a darkening world. As we say, we know we can't put out the fire. We can pull people from the fire. Uh, but we want to fight against some of these things. But how do we do that? You know, what is the answer? Obviously, we don't just sit back and a lot of Christians go so far the other way that they're, you know, well, I'm never going to speak up. I'm just going to sit in silence. I'm just going to take it. You know, inside my house, I'll speak my mind. But outside of that, I'm not about being weak and not speaking your mind and not having an opinion and not doing those things. But sometimes we can go so too far in that that we're also violating love. And that is our answer, love. Love is always the answer, right? Because Jesus was love. If God didn't love the world, he wouldn't have sent his son. He didn't say for God had, you know, a contractual obligation or he had a duty or something, right? He loved the world. That's why he sent his son. And just like we should love the world, we should love our neighbors, we should love the people around us, that love should be the reason we're helping them and that we're reaching out to them and doing those things. And we need to remind ourselves what love truly is because sometimes it's easy to think love is just simply a romantic love or friends and family and people that you agree with and get along with. It is sometimes easier to walk in love towards those people, but who should we walk in love with? Everyone, really? Even people that are persecuting us, slandering us, you know, mocking us, whatever. Our first response should always be love. Our first and our last response should always come back to love. So let's go ahead and turn to 1 Corinthians 13. We're going to read verses 4 through 7. I know we talk about this a lot when we're covering marriage or dating or things like that. But love really goes beyond just, you know, a marriage or a family unit or things like that. Love is what, you know, the reason God sent Jesus for us. And it needs to be what our driving force is behind everything, behind our prayer, behind our giving, behind everything that we do. If it comes from a place of love, then we're going to be able to really do some things for God. So we're going to start. We'll read the New King James Version first, uh, and then we'll go to the easy to read. It just kind of hits home with some other things. It says... Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. So do we have some envy going on in people? I'll, I'll be honest, sometimes I'm not always kind. I try to be, and people I get along with, it. like I said, it's easier. But sometimes maybe someone in your job that you don't get along with or doesn't agree with you or maybe is just flat out rude to you, it's easy to sit there and say, well, you're going to be rude to me. You're going to talk bad about me to the boss. I'm going to do the exact same thing to you. It's really tempting to meet them on their level, but we got to be on guard not to do that. We need to walk in love. And a lot of people try and gloss over you know, some of these first things. Love suffers long. Okay, not suffering with sickness or disease. We know that. But suffering, you know, not getting your way. Deferring to someone else. Saying, you know what? They just, you know, went behind my back and tried to make me look bad. But I'm not going to, you know, do the same. I'm not going to answer, you know, words with words. Or, you know, if they're mocking me or name calling me, I'm not a fifth grader. I'm not going to go right into their realm and say, oh, you're going to call me a name? I'm going to call you a name. That's not what God has for us. It says love suffers long. It's going to be uncomfortable at times. It's hard. It's our natural instinct is to react, you know, right away. They said something about me. I'm going to say something about them. They're talking bad behind my back. I'm going to talk bad behind their back. It's really tempting to just jump right in with them. But we need to make sure that we're not doing that. It says love is, uh, suffers long, is kind. 
does not envy, does not parade itself, uh, not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. So we see that right there. If we're being kind, okay, and we're suffering long and we're doing these things, we're not being rude, we're being kind, we're being polite, that's an indicator that we're walking in love. And really, sadly, a lot of uh, reason why the lost or people in the world aren't coming to church is sadly because of church people or because they see you know, the church being just as rude as everyone else, or you're the grumpiest person on the job, and then you say, hey, do you want to come to a Christmas Eve service, or do you want to come to Easter service with me? And I say, no, I have to deal with you five days a week. Why am I going to add another day to that? You know, but if you walk in love, and you're, you know, even if people are mean to you, and you kind of, you know, still walk in love with them and turn the other cheek and are open to them and continue to reach out with them, that's going to get across them. And they say, you know what? You're the happiest person even when things are up or down. You're always happy. You're always smiling. You're always cheery. You're always there for people. You're always uh, thinking about everyone else. People are going to want to know what's behind that. If we're just, you know, in there with the world and they say, well, why would I go to the church? It's the exact same. You're the exact same as everyone else on the job. You know, no difference. Why am I going to go to church if it's the same thing that you're experiencing in the world? So we need to be on guard about that. And we'll go ahead and jump back to Second Timothy, talking about now, talking about how the world is getting darker. Uh, see if there's some contrast between the scriptures we just read and then these scriptures. Okay, going back to that. Uh, it says, In the last days, perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers. Okay, everything that we just read. Is that the opposite of what we just read for love? So we can tell if we're doing these things, we're not walking in love. You're either or. You can't be, you know, seeking your own, but then also deferring to someone else. You can't be you know, rude, but then also being kind or polite at the same time. So we're either or, and it's a constant battle. It's not something we're always going to be either or. It's something that daily we're going to have to remind ourselves, okay, that person just cut me off in traffic. I really want to lay on the horn. I really, yeah, I really want to speak my mind. I really want to grumble under my breath or whatever. Let's walk in love. Okay, someone, you know, you're standing in line, been waiting for 10 minutes, and someone just comes right in and cuts you off. Really hard not to point that out or speak your mind, but walking in love, we need to be doing these things to showing the light to the world. That is the good news. We have the good news, and that's how we're going to reach out to people. If we go back to 1 Corinthians, out of the easy to read, I'll just read it if you guys don't have that. It'll be up on the screen. It says, Love is patient and kind. We could say suffers long or patience, as we talked about. Uh, Nikki pointed out patience is hugely important. Okay, we got to be willing to be patient. Hey, yeah, wait and ask the Lord for patience and he's going to give you a lot of opportunities to develop in patience. So sometimes I joke about like, Lord, I'm sorry I asked for that. Don't, 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 don't work on patience for me. I'm good. I don't need any more. But love is patient. Love is kind. Not jealous. Does not brag. Is not proud. Love is not rude. Selfish. Cannot be made angry easily. That's a good one. I think there's a lot of the church that we're so quick to react and it's kind of jumping a little bit ahead in my notes, but Facebook, guys, Facebook, okay? Do we, do we win the lost on Facebook arguing or in the comments section of a news article? And I think 
the internet and stuff like that is one of the worst things because people can anonymous, anonymously just put whatever they want, say some of the meanest things or hurtful things, and then they try and tie it into a Bible verse or a scripture or something like that. We're not going to win with them like that. They're not going to say, oh, that was a great meme you posted, or that was a great hateful thing you put under my article. What church do you go to again? That's not going to get it done, you guys. Okay. So walking in love sometimes is just not saying anything at all. We know it's wrong. Okay, we know it's a violation of scripture, but we can still walk in love and pray for those people and do the right thing a lot of times. And again, like I said at the beginning, this is I got off Facebook for five or six years just because of that, the negativity and people posting stuff, and then I would just jump right into the comments and then just start arguing. It's like, what am I doing? I'm wasting my time. Even if I am winning the argument, you know, no one's ever said, oh, great point. You know, I'm going to, you know, change, you know, everything I think and follow you or, you know what, you're right. You know, can I be your Facebook friend? You know, that's not, that's not going to get it done. So walking in love, yeah, we get fired up. We get a righteous anger. We get, you know, going against some of the things that are going on in the world. Some of these movements, some of these things that are being, you know, forced down our throat through Hollywood, through the media, through education. Some of these things we know are wrong and are completely against the word of God. But guess what? Posting on Facebook or doing these things, that's not how we win them over. That's not going to change them. That's going to drive them further from us saying, you know what they are, those judgmental hypocrites like we thought they were, and we're never going to go there. We're going to push them further away from God. So how we can win them over is through love. And love, as we just talked about, isn't always the easiest thing. It's difficult to do at times, but we're going to be willing to suffer to help the lost. Did Jesus go through some suffering for us? Absolutely. And it was out of love. Had he just, you know, been a duty or a have to, I promise he would have quit. But it was that driving force of love and his love for us that he was willing to endure more than we'll ever have to endure. And he didn't go, you know, crying and, you know, bawling his eyes out and say, Lord, those Pharisees and Sadducees are so mean to me. I don't know what to do. I, they're, ju they're just jerks. They're just jerks. He didn't do any of that, right? He, he knew his call. He had a you know, power within him. He had a high call in his life, as do we. And he let love be his motivating factor. And we need to do the same thing. So if we would go to Ephesians 6.12, this is something that as I said, you know, I get in there and I, I want to mix it up with people and, oh, you want to, you know, try and argue this point? Well, you know, I got plenty of point, counterpoints or whatever. It's easy to get into that. And this is what the Lord, you know, years ago gave to me and just it's kind of stuck with me because it's so true. You know, Ephesians 6:12 says we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Right? We don't argue with people. We don't fight words with words or name-calling with name-calling or some of these things say, well, they did it to me. I'm going to do it to them. If you're fighting against people, then you're, you're off. You're aiming at the wrong target. You're going about it in the wrong way. We don't war. We don't wage against fr uh, flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rules of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. So where do we fight our wars? Do we fight it in the natural or do we fight it in the spiritual? We fight it in the spiritual realm. We need to be praying. We need to be filled with the spirit. We need to be walking in love. We need to be so filled up with God's love that it's just flowing out of us. 
There's a, a lot of the reason why the church is so grumpy or upset or not happy and not walking in love is because we're not filled. When you're empty, you don't have much to go out and give the world. If you can't even give anything to yourself, you don't have an excess or an abundance to go do anything for the rest of the world. So we need to be filled and we need to be fighting these things in the spiritual realm, not, not against flesh and blood. So if you find yourself you know, arguing with someone over the dinner table or on Facebook or, you know, I don't know, one of these social media sites or, you know, in the comments section of something, a news article or something like that, you're wasting your time. You're fighting against flesh and blood and that's not going to get it done. That's not going to get us anywhere. That's just going to drive a further wedge between us and the lost. And we know Satan is the author of lies. He's the one that tries to create division and discord and strife. And if he can get the church participating in it, it's just going to be a snowball on two ends and we're never going to go anywhere. We're just going to keep spinning our wheels and never truly reach out to the lost. Uh, in the Young's literal translation, that same verse says... Because we have not the wrestling with blood and flesh. Again, we're not fighting against people. Our war is not with, you know, people. Yeah, yeah. The people that are blinded, the people that are confused, the people that are being uh, lied to, we need to go attack the root problem. Not the branches, not what's going on on the surface. We need to attack deeper and go after the enemy, go after the lies. And we go after that with the truth. And the truth, as we talked about, entails love. Love and truth go hand in hand. It's not about... You know, I think the church can go too far some ways, you know, just talking about those ditches on both sides where you, you hear some churches where they hate the sin and then they also lump in the sinner with that. that. Oh, I hate their way of life and we hate them too. You know, turn or burn, you're, you're on your way to hell and they're shouting these things out and, you know, just telling people all of these hateful things. Obviously, that's not love. Or we see some churches go the other route and say, well, we want them to feel comfortable. We want... Uh, newcomers or the lost to feel at home, they shouldn't feel, they should feel welcome in a church, but it shouldn't be so comfortable like, hey, this is just like the bar I went to last night, or this is just like whatever, you know, hanging out at home. I don't see any difference. They should see a difference when they walk in, but they should still be loved. But some churches go so far, well, let's make them feel comfortable. Let's Let's manipulate scripture. Let's just flat out lie to them. Let's say your lifestyle, whatever you want to do, it's fine. You have your moral compass. You have the Lord. It's between you and the Lord. Yeah, our things are between us and the Lord, but we also have truth. And if it's against this, then it's a lie. It's either lies or truth. There's none of this like, oh, well, there's gray areas or things like that. The word of God is true. And there's nothing beyond that. Okay, Anything beyond that or outside of it would obviously be a lie. So some churches... You know, go so far as they hate the people and turn them away because they're, you know, just so full of hate and condemnation and things like that. Well, obviously, people don't feel invited and want to come to that church service. But then some churches can go so far the other way that they want to promote some of these things, even within a church. And that's not helping people either, because then you're allowing them to continue on their road of destruction, saying, oh, well, it's fine. You know, yeah, that's scripture. We don't really pay attention to that. But, you know, continue on the path that you're on and you'll just be fine. Well, that's a lie. And that's not helping them either. So we got to be able, we can hate sin and the author of lies and the author of sin and still love the people that are being affected or blinded by those things. And that's where we need to be as a church. And I know that's where we are. But again, reminding ourselves of what love truly is. Sorry, going on with that scripture. We don't 
battle against flesh and blood, so we're not against people, but with principalities, with the, auth the authorities, with the world rulers of the darkness of this age, with, with the spiritual things of the evil in heavenly places. Hey, like I said, you know, we don't go against people, and I'm not saying that we just, we back down as a church, or we just say, you know what, it's going on in the world, what can we do? I guess we'll just, you know, sit in here and just let it happen. I'm not saying that. We pray, we fight against these things, we do whatever we can, but it always comes from a place of love. We don't just go after people, we don't do these things, we go after the root. Okay, they need deliverance. They need chains broken. They don't need hit over the head with a Bible, but also they don't need to be told everything's hunky-dory. It's okay. They need to be exposed to the truth. They need the good news that there's an answer, and that's going to start to lift those weights and break those chains, and that's where we're going to see breakthrough happen, and some of these people start to come to the church and start to give their lives to Jesus, because that really is the only answer. What's the difference between us in here right now and you know the worst of the worst out there in the world? Jesus. That's the only difference. We would probably be right there with him. Even if we were living a good life, we would still be on the road that Adam put us on. I think a lot of times in the church, we say, oh, we're forgiven. We're not judged. Praise God. But, you know, those people out there, God, give them what they deserve. No, don't. Because if we got what we deserve, we wouldn't even be here right now. So thank God for his mercy and grace. And let's be willing to allow that mercy and grace to continue on to other people. And let's show that same mercy that God showed towards us. Let's be willing to show that to other people as well. So. The world needs Jesus. We know that. The deceived. Let's go after the one who's doing the deceiving. We can do some resisting. We can do some fighting against the forces of darkness. It says, resist the enemy and he will flee. And we know where there's light, it drives out darkness, right? If we're spreading the good news, if we're being a loving example in the workplace, in our families and things like that, and we're walking in the light, that's going to just start to naturally drive out some of this darkness. So again, it's not about competing on Facebook or arguing with people. And, you know, we can call some of the movements for what they are. I, I know we probably all know some of the movements and some of the things going on right now that uh, we're alluding to, but we'll just talk about some of them specifically. We know that the uh, LGBTQ whatever movement is not of God, right? right? We know that, okay? Marriage is between a man and a woman, and uh, you're born what God made you to be. A lot of people are trying to violate God's plan for their life by completely altering these things, which we know you're still, this is our outer shell. You can, you know, cut your hair, grow your hair, get tattoos, do surgery, things like that. It doesn't change the inner man. So all of that is just kind of a, you know, um, of waste of time anyways, because it's not going to change what's on the inside. And just to kind of reiterate that this, uh, that these communities are community that need true love. They don't need to be told what they're wrong. They don't need to be argued with uh, over social media. They need the true love of God. That's the only thing right. that's going to deliver them. I was doing some research and it's really kind of staggering and it's really kind of heartbreaking. I mean, I've even seen in the schools here, we're starting to have you know, trans students who you know, want to identify with the opposite gender or whatever like that. And it's, you know, it's happening more so in other parts of the world and other parts of the country, but it's still making our, its way into our valley. And I found some studies and even trying to you know, research some of these things with you know, how politicized they become. Sometimes you know, even finding accurate statistics can kind of be difficult to do. But looking at studies kind of on both sides of the aisle, uh, they kind of came to the same conclusion in the same rates 
the suicide rate among transgender people, people that identify with the opposite gender, is above 40%. That, I mean, if that doesn't hit you, almost half of that population has attempted or committed suicide. And that's just the ones that reported out. That number could even be higher. And then I, I couldn't find the study, but I've heard some people say that that number jumps up even more uh, after uh, some sort of surgical procedure or post-op, that that number doesn't even stay there. It climbs after that, which would make sense because if you're thinking, oh, I'm miserable, I'm tormented, I'm depressed, I'm anxious, if I just you know, go you know, get this procedure done and then I come out and I'm gonna be completely different, you find out you're just as miserable as you was before, if not more, it's not gonna do anything to help you. So I just, that kind of floored me looking at those numbers and you know, uh, even 1% or one person is way too high for suicide, yeah. but 40%, guys, that's people that need our love. They don't need to be told what they're doing wrong. They know on the inside something's off, right? They're, uh, I, I know a lot of people say, well, that 40% is because of outside factors. We know it's something internal, that something the enemy is tormenting them, he is torturing them, that they are just so gripped with fear and anxiety and depression and just he's got them so confused that he's sitting right in their hand. And the only thing that's going to deliver them is the love of Jesus. That power is going to break those chains and they can come back. I know when Janet Boynes was here, she shared on some of that stuff, how there is just such a kind of a gripping uh, hold that the enemy has on that community. And if we're just there to lecture them or to sometimes even make fun of them or mock them, that's not going to get it done. And I know we say, but they're, you know, they're so mean to the church, and they say things that aren't true, and they just go on and on about those things. Well, grow up. We're, we're bigger than that. We can handle it. You know, we can handle just like Jesus suffered for us. We can do a little bit of suffering or say, you know what, I'm just going to push past that name calling or whatever you're trying to say about me, and I'm going to continue to walk in love towards you. That's what this community needs. They don't need to be lectured. And sometimes I think the louder some of these movements get, the more hurting and more pain they're in. Just because they're louder doesn't mean that they're, you know, they're a lot of times I think trying to convince themselves, you know, this is the answer or this is right. And they really know on the inside something's off or maybe something isn't in line with God's word or it's not the best for their life, but they're just going to continue to shout and shout to try and convince themselves that it is true, that it is right, and it is natural when we know it's not. But again, you know, poking fun, making fun, arguing with them, or just pointing out these things, obviously that's not how we're going to win them over. Now, I'm not saying the movement itself, yeah, some of the things they're trying to push in schools and do like that is absolutely from the enemy. I'm not saying, oh, well, it's on TV or it's in the schools. I guess my kids are just going to be exposed to it. I'm not saying just take things lying down. But remember, we don't wage, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Go after the source. Go after the enemy. Don't focus on the surface issues. Go deeper than that. So that was a community that jumped out to me where I was like, wow, that, that, that is something, a movement that is very much away from the will of God, but it's something that they need God, they need the love of God, they need Jesus just as much as anyone, right? right? And, that, and we're going to win them over with love by giving them the good news, not by saying, oh, turn or burn, that, that's not going to get it done. That's not going to win them over and say, you know what, you're right. You know, they need to see that love. We need to show them that love. We need to give them the answers. And one of the best ways is to be living, you know, a filled up life for ourselves. Because if we're happy, you know, we're full of joy. We have all the things going for us. And we have all the promises of God working out in our lives. They're going to just naturally 
what's different about you? You know, you're always happy. You know, I want to figure out what you have going on in your life, and I want some of that. And that's how we're going to show them. Another uh, movement that I believe is just pure evil, but again, we can't let our anger at the movement or some of the things going on, uh, you know, cross over and start to target the people that maybe been affected by some of these things or victims of these things or whatever. Abortion. We know abortion is absolutely wrong. You know, life happens at conception. Life is a gift from God. Every life is precious. It's not an inconvenience. It's not, you know, anything like that where, oh, well, it's a choice or anything like that. No, it's God's choice, and He made that person, and He has a plan for their life. And when it's terminated before they even have a chance to grow up, we know obviously that's not right. If you did some of these things, you know, they're saying, well, you know, in the womb versus out of the womb, you did something. Uh, to some of these kids just two days after the fact, you'd be locked up called, you know, a murderer, the worst name in the book, you're horrendous, you're, you'd go down history books for how awful you treated a child, but then if you do it and call it a medical procedure, then, you know, you're championed and you're saying, oh, you're doing such a great thing, it's a choice, it's freedom, it, it's not. Abortion is evil, but we can't go so far if you've been affected by abortion or you know someone or people that have had abortions, I promise those families and those women are broken and beaten and needing love. Being told, well, what you did is so wrong. Or, you're a murderer. You're a murderer. That's not going to help them out. Another study I found, it said, and this was a pretty big sample size, it said uh, researchers analyzed data on a 877 thousand women, including 164,000, which that number right there breaks your heart, that had an abortion, they found women who had an abortion experienced an 81% increased risk for mental problems. So obviously there's some torment there. So they're being told it's a medical procedure, no big deal, but I promise as they leave that facility and head back to their car and try and rebuild their lives, I, I know that the weight of the enemy and condemnation and guilt just probably hits them like a two-ton brick. And it said women who had an abortion were 34% more likely to develop an anxiety disorder, 37% more likely to experience depression, 110% more likely to abuse alcohol, 155% more likely to commit suicide, and then 220% more likely to use marijuana. So obviously with all that substance abuse, anxiety and depression is showing that they are torn up on the inside, that they are hurting, that they are in need of answers. And guess what? If you've done that and you know you've made a mistake and that guilt and that shame and that condemnation that the enemy's trying to throw at you, the only thing that's going to help you is Jesus. Okay? Pills aren't going to help you. Uh, substances aren't going to help you, you know, just marching and saying, oh, you know, I've seen some of these celebrities that say, I had multiple abortions and it's the best, what, what did they say, that was the best thing I've ever done. You know that they're, yeah, they might say on the outside that's what's going on, but you know on the inside that they are broken and they are hurting and they are in need of Jesus. Just because what they say on the outside, that's them trying to cover up and convince themselves that it was okay, but, you know, at the end of the day, they know especially based on these numbers, that it's not right. It's, and uh, those moms, those families that have been affected by abortion, they, they need our love. They don't need us to point out what they did wrong. I, I promise they know they're going, there's a lot of depression and anxiety that obviously goes along with that. We need to give them the truth. And in Luke 5.31, uh, it says, 
just that. It says that Jesus answered and said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. We know that Jesus came for the lost. He didn't come for people that had it all together or that have never made a mistake or he wouldn't have come at all because we've all uh, sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So it's not about us judging other people's sins. It's us saying, you know what? God forgave me, he can forgive you. He healed me, he can heal you. He, he broke chains in my life, he, he can and will do the same thing for you. That's how we're gonna win people over. There is always freedom and there is always answers. No matter how much guilt or shame or condemnation you may have, the Lord is always there to pick you up. He's gonna pick you up, dust you off, and he's gonna continue to elevate you. Uh, and I think we need to be careful about judging. All that to be said is, it's really easy for us to judge what's going on in the world. Well, some of us have been saved for years, decades, and we've been studying these things out. It's really easy for us to forget what's going on in the world or what it's like to be lost or what it's like to grow up experiencing these things and not knowing any different. You've been told by, you know, your school teachers at times that it's normal and okay. You've been told by the media. You've been told by Hollywood. You've been basically, you know, manipulate to believe all these things all your life, you know, sometimes it's not even necessarily that they're choosing these things, it's just that they've been, you know, it's been so ingrained in them that it's just natural to think that it's okay. And we know it's not, but we gotta watch out about just being so quick to judge. We have to be quick to love, not quick to judge. It's God's job to judge and he's the ultimate judge and we know there's a judgment day coming. But between now and then, we need to be loving on people and trying to get them, uh, pull them from the fire. Amen. And in Matthew 7, 1, it says just that. Uh, out of the New King James, it says, Judge not that you be, or sorry, judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Right? We've all sinned. We've all messed up. It's really f easy for us to say, yeah, well, my sin was kind of like this. You know, yeah, it's probably not good, but is it the worst thing in the world? What they're doing, it, that's awful, though. That's where God needs to step in and judge. No, we've all sinned. We've all fallen short. And just like we said, the only difference between us and the lost or us and, you know, the most evil people in the world is really Jesus. You know, right. Jesus is the only thing that's allowed us to come out of that darkness and into the light. And I was going to go through uh, Romans 1, but we'll just kind of, uh, mm, I guess I'll go ahead and read it. You guys can follow along. I did it from the easy to read version, but just, I think a lot of times we point out parts of scripture and we try and emphasize the things we don't participate in and say, oh, those are bad. But then sometimes in the very same scripture, there's things that maybe we struggle with or that we've been involved with, or if we're being honest with ourselves, we've done at times. And it's, we can't start to put different measures on, oh, well, this is the worst of the worst. And then this, that is just one sentence later. Yeah, that's not that big of a deal. It's all sin and we need to be yes. delivered from oh. sin. Uh, it says in verse 24, people wanted only to do evil, so God left them and let them go their sinful way. And so they became completely immoral and used their bodies in shameful ways with each other. They traded the truth of God for a lie. They bowed down and worshiped the things of God made instead of worshiping the God who made those things. He is the one who should be praised forever. Amen. Okay, we know he should be praised. 
Uh, because people did those things, God left them and let them do the shameful things they wanted to do. Women stopped having sex naturally uh, with men and started having sex with other women. In the same way, men stopped having natural sex with women and began wanting each other all the time. Men did shameful things with other men, and in their bodies they received the punishment for those wrongs. People did not think it was important to have a true knowledge of God, so God left them and allowed them to have their own worthless thinking, and so they did what they should not do. They are filled with every kind of sin, evil, greed, and hatred. They are full of jealousy, murder, fighting, lying, and thinking the worst things about each other. They gossip. Do we have people you know, in the church or Christians that like to gossip? Yes, we have people all the time. Did you hear? Did you hear what's going on with this? Did you? I mean, they, so again, the same passage of scripture. We can't sit there and say, "Oh man, those things are evil and off," and we need to get. Yes, they are evil and they are sin. But so is being jealous. So is lying. I, I remember one time uh, the Lord dealt with me. I was. Uh, burning a workout DVD from someone. I was like, well, I don't want to pay for it. It's like 60 bucks or 90 bucks or whatever. And I was like, the Lord was like, well, if you were on the other end, the one making money from those DVDs, would you want people to pay for it? And I was like, you know what, God, you're right. I'm, I'm lying. I'm technically stealing right now. And I, you know, threw those away and got online and purchased my own because I was like, I didn't even think about that. I was stealing. But again, we can get so caught up in focusing on other people's sins that maybe the Lord's trying to deal with some things we need to clean up in our own life. It continues on. Uh, they are rude, proud, brag about themselves. They invent ways of doing evil. They don't obey your parents. They are foolish. They don't keep their promises. They show no kindness or mercy to others. So kind of that passage of scripture we talked about in the beginning where it was talking about in the last days, perilous times, men are lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers. So we see a lot of that same, uh, some of those same things mentioned in this. And then verse 32, it says, they know God's law says that anyone who lives like that should die, but they not only continue to do these things themselves, but they also encourage others who do them. So we know that there's a difference between living a life of sin and committing sin. We know the Lord, uh, you know, the blood of Jesus washes us from our sins. He makes us righteous. Uh, so I'm not saying there's the same thing as committing a sin every now and then. We still live in this natural world. We still have flesh that we're battling against. We're going to, you know, stumble and trip at times. So there is a difference between sinning and living a life of sin where we condone it and promote it and try and get others to get involved with it. But we still need to watch out about always pointing out other people's flaws right. and then not realizing, well, you know what? I'm not perfect either. I've sinned. I've blown it. I've done things that I shouldn't have done. So I shouldn't be so quick to judge because then I don't want to receive that same judgment that's due me. I want mercy and forgiveness and those things. So we should be giving those same things to other people, right? It's a biblical concept. Whatever you sow, you reap. If you're sowing kindness and mercy and grace and those things, that's what you're going to be seeing in your life. If you're wondering why everyone's so rude to you, what are you maybe sowing into other people's lives? Maybe you're being rude to other people. Maybe you're the one that's constantly being grumpy or talking bad about other people and then wondering, well, yeah, I talk about bad about them, but why are they talking bad about me? That makes absolutely no sense. No, it makes perfect sense because that's what you're sowing into other people's lives. And kind of to wrap this up here, I, I just think we as a church need to get back to a true definition of what love is. Not just saying, yeah, we talk about God's love for us. We talk about, you know, 
loving our church family, loving our natural families, and yes, all of those are right, but it's also about loving the lost, and it's not always easy at times. Love suffers, love is patient, love is kind, love does not seek its own. You know, maybe someone just, you know, you got passed over at a job, and it's really difficult to say, I deserved it more than them. Well, you know what, let them have it. The Lord can promote you His own way, you know. Be, be willing to defer and love on others because that's how we're going to win them over. And then maybe you're in here today and you're thinking that, you know, some of these things we touched on or some of the things in these scriptures that we went over, that sounded like you and you've uh, been involved in some of those things and you think that you've messed up too big. Well, yeah, you guys are talking about this or that, but you have no idea what, what I did. Okay, the Lord knows, and there's forgiveness still available for you, no matter what you've done. So if you're feeling guilt or condemnation, come to the Lord, you know, receive His forgiveness, because there is no guilt or condemnation. Condemnation is what drags the church down and what drags people down. It's not even the sin itself. It's the remembrance and that sin consciousness constantly being beat over the head with it, and the enemy being allowed to say, oh, remember? Yeah, you're praying for someone, but remember last week? When you did that sin or you did something wrong, we can allow sin to affect our faith, affect our love. So we need to watch out about that too. And if you think you've blown it, just look at some examples in the Bible. David, King David, committed adultery, had someone murdered so he could commit that adultery. And he was called a man after God's own heart. Moses, you know, murdered, not in self-defense. Paul, he was a terrorist against the church and then he gave, became one of the biggest pillars of the church. Hey, uh, Manasseh, you know, he did some awful things in the Old Testament, and then he turned and repented, and the Lord used him. So don't think that you're too far gone, or no. what you've done is, you know, the Lord can't forgive. He's here to forgive, and if you're not sure, you know, where you belong, or you say, well, I do feel alone, and I do feel broken, and I do feel guilt and shame and all of those things. Will you have a church family right here that is willing to love on you, to pray with you, to hold you accountable, to stand with you? Whatever you need, we are here for you. We will show you the love of God because we've loved on each other. We've received the love of God and we will show that to you and we will be there for you to help you break through anything and everything that you need in your life. So let's just get back to what love truly is as a church. It's not arguing with people. It's not fighting on Facebook. It's not, sometimes I don't even watch the news. I don't even want to know necessarily what's going on because I know it's just going to pull me in that direction where I'm going to get frustrated and fed up and you know, kind of get into that natural mode where I'm fighting against flesh and blood, and that's not where I need to be. So let's get back to love. Let's recommit ourselves, uh, and let's, let's go after the true source. Let's go after the enemy. Let's fight against the forces of darkness, and let's pull people from the pot fire, and let's show them God's love. Amen? Amen. Amen. Amen.